0: Your radio sisters. I'm Rachel. I'm Bo And I'm Allie Cat. Well, we're
1: singers, songwriters, and sisters. And if you're curious about the creative process like we are, stick around right here. Each week, you'll hear inspiring stories and interviews from the world's biggest stars and most creative minds. You'll take away artistic gems to fuel your own creative process and get that project started already. Or get the mojo to keep on going. That's right. It's time for the Mulberry Lane Show. Hey guys, it's Allie along with your radio sisters, Rachel and Beau, and we're so glad you're with us today. And right now we want you to think about this. Don't be pushed around by the fears in your mind. Be led by the dreams in your heart. And we want you to hold on to that thought all through this episode as you pull up a chair at the Mulberry table and hang out with us through this episode. Yes, we'll be passing around the meat and potatoes in just a sec. (laughs) Yes, you're definitely going to get some meat and potatoes for your life when you listen in on these interviews. Let's get to it, sisters. Woo! The Mulberry Lane show's on. Celebrity story songs. You're going to have it going on when we tell you who's stopping by now. First up today, American Idol Season 5 winner, Taylor Hicks. This is what we
2: dream about, but the only question with me now.
0: Well, today you're going to hear all about Taylor Hicks, what he's been up to since he won the biggest singing show on TV that there has ever been. Now, he takes you back in time to when he won, what was going through his mind, and the crazy times that followed. He's also going to get you up to speed on his latest music and how he has branched out into other art forms, including Broadway. So, wherever you are in life, if you're looking to start a new chapter or try something out of your comfort zone, you'll love hearing how to approach it from
1: Taylor. hmm Learn to Craft your career in a new direction. All right, Allie, who's next? Then you're going to get up close and personal with David Miller of pop opera group Il Devo. 30 million albums sold. This classically trained group put together by Simon Cowell is in the middle of a North American spring tour. Now, David has a fascinating story about the arc of their career from the beginning till now, and he really pulls back the curtain for you about their whirlwind of success, how they dug in when things got tough to move forward, and the new freedom and sense of artistic direction that they are enjoying now. All right, sisters, who's next? Well, finally, we've got you covered with Google text expert, Justin Burr. Now he's here today in honor of Gmail's 15th birthday, but he's gonna give you actionable tips on how to handle your email, especially some brand new tricks that Gmail is rolling out to help you be more efficient and more on the ball with your email. He's even gonna share with you how you can unsend something you accidentally sent. Now that's cool. So catch up with Justin Burr a little bit later on in the show. Okay, Allie, you took Clover to a brand new dance class this week, how'd it go? Well, yes guys, when we walked in, she didn't want me to leave her, and she said she wouldn't do the steps unless I did them along with her. (laughs) So for the first five minutes of this dance class, I was tapping my toes, doing the little shimmy, and all these little kinder dance steps along with all the other 15 girls in the room. And I was like, okay, anything for my Clover. But I had left Luke out in the lobby and I wanted to go check on him. And I actually brought him back into class so I could keep an eye on him. And we both kind of sat in the corner. I thought, well, maybe this is gonna be okay. Well, no, Clover saw me sitting in the corner. She ran towards me with tears in her eyes, and she plopped down on my lap and buried her head in my neck and stayed that way for the rest of class. (laughs) (laughs) So for those of you who don't know, Clover is my dear daughter who we adopted from China three years ago, and she still has these moments of shyness. And as I was holding her, I said, just stay here as long as you want. So for me, I felt like other people were looking at me like, oh, poor mom, know, her daughter's too shy to dance with the other girls. But inside my heart, I was like, this is a wonderful moment because she had bonded with me. She had a mom she could trust. I was her safe home place. And that is not something that she had had before in her life. And really something that a foster kid and adopted kid really needs to feel that. Right. She just wanted to stay in that moment and feel that connection. She wanted to feel that connection. Exactly. Good job, mama. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) But I don't know. I might might see some upcoming kinder dance steps in my future again (laughs) i just can't wait to see you in the recital (laughs) (laughs) all right guys well hang out
0: right here with us because when we come back uh, american idol winner taylor hicks right around the corner keep it right here with your radio sisters on the mulberry lane show This segment is brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology, advanced, comprehensive, medical, surgical, and cosmetic dermatologic care. Braddockfinnegan.com Find your creative road down Mulberry Lane. Welcome back to the Mulberry Lane Show. It's Rachel here with your radio sisters, Bo and Allie. Let's get back to it. Well, American Idol Season 5 winner Taylor Hicks is stopping by your weekend right now to share all the cool stuff he's been up to. His latest song, Six Strings and Diamond Rings, and his role in Shenandoah at the Serenbee Playhouse, proving that he's not just a one-trick pony. Welcome,
1: welcome to the show, Taylor Hicks. I can see why you guys had a record deal. Ah, thank you. (laughs) Great to have you with
0: us. Before you made it to Idol, what was your story? Uh,
2: You know, Idol was kind of like the 10-year overnight success story, you know I mean? I I started performing music when I was about 17, and then when I was 18 and could get out of the house, I was playing every honky-tonk and juke joint in the state of Alabama with a hat on. But luckily, my hair got gray pretty early. so. You know, I went from 20 to 45 like in one summer. You know? <laughs> right,
1: right, and that kind of that became your luck.
2: Yeah, especially you know in Idol, and you try to just use everything to your advantage, and right. you, you really have to create a bigger personality on the medium of television. And you gotta want people to vote for you, and you know, obviously the gray hair thing. And, the gray will stay.
0: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, it's almost like you need to create that larger-than-life persona for TV, but then, like, for recording, you have to have that intimate connection. So it's kind
2: of both things. You know, it's funny. When I was going through my uh, first Cattle Call editions and then when I got to the two producers of American Idol, uh-huh. they told me, they said, you know, we don't want to see Joe Cocker. We want to hear Taylor Hicks. And I felt like that that was a very profound thing to say because... It made me realize that, you know, where people are spending their money on you is not necessarily the television show, but it is the music that you record with your voice. Right. And I feel like that's the end game ultimately for those shows is you have a record company waiting to spend a bunch of money on you at the end of this thing. Your voice has got to be popular. Right. Just as so, much as the show you were on, you know.
0: So now when you got in the studio after the victory, Was that a time of searching for exactly what you wanted to put out? Or by that time, were you pretty sure who Taylor Hicks, the artist, was?
2: I was probably 70-30 on who I was, and then the other 30%. It's interesting, you know, Idol was so popular when I got off the show. I was very blessed to be on that show at that season. Well, they said there was a
0: record-breaking 200 million viewers the night you won. it,
2: It was a cultural phenomenon in America, which also made it a cultural phenomenon for people around the world. If you're talking about those kinds of numbers and the visibility, you know, then you have to put it in the pop lane. That probably wasn't necessarily the smartest long-term play for me because I'm a roadhouse musician. You know, I mean, I grew up around blues and country and really roots-oriented stuff.
0: So then you had kind of your roots and where you came from, and then, you know, you have this exposure to 200 million people, and somehow you have to close that gap. So is that kind of the struggle you had at that point?
2: It is. I mean, there's some really great songs on the debut album that I recorded in my house, you know, like sessions from the bathroom. <laughs> uh, as far as a debut record in a big studio there was some good music on there i mean look the show was so big it's like a crash course we recorded a full-length album in nine weeks wow you know
0: you, know, you got a hit when it's hot
2: yeah you know that was when they weren't going to put the single out there until the album was completely finished you know uh-huh. which is, it's such a 180 from today you know like right. they wanted the record sales and i mean it's a struggle to find a big hit now yeah Just from Idol's perspective, I think the success with Home by Philip Phillips is probably the closest thing to a hit that has been created Mm -hmm. by a winner since, I don't know. It's been a while since that show's created a nice, sizable hit. A radio hit. Yeah, after a win.
0: Well, if you're just joining us you're listening to season five american idol winner taylor hicks you're hearing what he's been up to and all about his latest music and you're hearing it here on the mulberry lane show so now you know having this distance from it how do you look back on the experience
2: it changed my life i mean i've always wanted to be an entertainer you know i've kind of branched down into a lot of different things as a natural entertainer would you know i mean luckily the biggest platform it's had to be able to carve out a 15-year career, 15 years now. and You know, I feel like that's about 100. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. Well, you know, you've okay. been able to branch out into other forms of art, including this production that you're a part of now. This sounds pretty fascinating.
2: Shenandoah is a Civil War movie that Jimmy Stewart played a lead in in, okay. in the late 60s, and then won a bunch of Tonys in the middle 70s. You know, it's just a really great story. And, and so what happens is at Serenby in in Atlanta, the interesting playhouse, and it's becoming one of the more hotter regional playhouses in the country where they have an interactive play series. And when I mean interactive, they immerse you into the show. So you go through this experience, you know, pulls up in their car. I mean, you're greeted by a Civil War camp and an actual Civil War reenactment while this play unfolds. It's a very rare and very artistic way to see theater, and that's completely interactive. You know, this is kind of my first foray into true scripted acting, one of the larger male roles in musical theater, period. Wow. You know, and a lot of drama. The story unfolds, it's a pretty gut-wrenching story towards the end of the play.
1: Hmm, I bet. Talk about
0: Six Strings and Diamond Rings.
2: Well, sometimes they go together, sometimes they don't. And uh, it's kind of a song about the road, not just from a musician's aspect, but anybody that has to deal with the road. Because you do that so much, then your home life and relationships are compromised to a certain degree. Uh There was a lot of songs about the road and heartbreak. There's no question about that. But I like the way uh, Six Strings and Diamond Rings had a ring to it. It definitely says a lot.
0: So now final question, your barbecue place in Alabama. Now it's been named one of the twenty five best barbecue spots in America. And then you also have your cooking show. So are we gonna see more of that out of Taylor Hicks?
2: I would love that. Sometimes I would almost rather hawk Southern Barbecue than be all dramatic with Charlie Anderson.
0: (laughs) I bet they balance each other out pretty nicely though.
2: (laughs) I don't know. We'll see. I think the Southern Barbecue wins, to be honest with you. Okay.
1: Okay, and I have one final question. You've tried a lot of different things and you have many talents. When you're trying out something new what do you tell yourself and where i'm going with this is if our listeners are maybe trying a new thing in their life what advice would you give them you know it's funny
2: the first celebrity golf pro-am that i ever played in right after i won idol and i I didn't realize that i was going to get asked to do the bob hope pro-am but I walked up on the tee box, and there was 3,000 people. And uh, my foursome was Clint Eastwood, Alice Cooper, and Scott Hamilton. Wow. Oh, uh, my gosh. And it was a very poignant moment in what I was doing at that time. And I asked them, I said, uh, should I be here? You know, because I was literally probably one of the most nerve-wracking times. Look, I wasn't nervous about winning Idol, but on a tee box with Alice Cooper and and Scott Hamilton and Clint Eastwood, I can that, only that imagine. And there's cameras everywhere. And I had Scott Hamilton tell me, who is such an amazing human being, his story and what he does. He's such a light in this world. He said, you know, if God didn't want you to be here, then you probably wouldn't be here. <laughs> And so I feel like, you know, if you weren't supposed to be here, you probably wouldn't. And I love taking that mentality and kind of implementing that in where you are at life, especially when it's a new beginning or a new chapter.
1: I love that. And you know what kind of says to yourself, just fulfill the role, fulfill what you're supposed to do. Exactly. That's good, Taylor. I like that. Yeah, really
0: good advice.
2: It sounds country is a brown egg, but I think it's true. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> well,
0: We want to thank you for joining the show, Taylor. It's been great getting to know you, and I know you have an album coming out soon, and when that's out, we'd love to have you back. For
2: sure. Talk to you ladies soon.
1: Taylor Hicks, American Idol Season 5 winner here on the Mulberry Lane Show. When we come back, get ready for a conversation with David Miller of the pop opera sensation Il Devo. They've sold over 30 million albums and David has quite the musical journey. Keep it right here with your radio sisters, taking you to break with Taylor Hicks.
2: The highway ain't home for nothing but a heartache. It just gets lonely and it still takes Stay, so we see. Cause six.
1: Dr. Mary Finnegan of Braddock Finnegan Dermatology is here to tell you about Aqua Gold. So Aqua Gold is a small vial that has small stainless steel needles that are finer than a human hair in which we can leave product in the surface of the skin. The procedure takes about 15 minutes for the whole face. It gives a very dewy look, an airbrushed look. There's mild redness, otherwise no downtime at all. Aqua Gold at Braddock Finnegan Dermatology. That's Braddock Finnegan this next segment is brought to you by Stoke and Goat. Come check out their one-of-a-kind patio and new cocktails. Woo. Don't have anything to celebrate today? Celebrate the arts right here on the Mulberry Lane Show. You're hanging out with Allie along with your radio sisters, Rachel and Bo. Thanks for being here. Well, with over 30 million
0: albums sold and 160 gold and platinum hits in 35 different countries, the pop opera sensation Il Devo is continuing the magic with the tour picking up again. Now, right now, you're going to hear the behind the scenes of how these four guys from four different backgrounds and languages have continued to spin musical gold and keep moving the needle creatively. Now, David Miller is here from the group to give you the scoop.
1: (laughs) Welcome Welcome to the show, David Miller. <laughs>
3: Fantastic. Brava, brava.
1: Oh, thank you. <laughs> Great to have you.
3: Thanks for having me.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay, so now we gotta go back to the very beginning, because Simon Cowell was instrumental in putting you guys together. So we'd love to hear your take on how everything came together for Eldebo
3: way back clock to 2004. I was in Paris and I was singing uh, at the Opera Bastille, kind of in the height of my operatic career. And I got an email from a friend of a friend that said a record company was looking to put together a group to use their operatic talents, but not singing the opera repertoire.
0: What was your initial reaction when you read that? Well, my
3: reaction was, you know, I'd already been singing as an operatic tenor for about 10 years, and I'd sung in houses all around the world, and I had sung all of the repertoire that was really appropriate for me up until that age, which was 30. And so I thought, okay, well, this is interesting. I'll give it a shot. I went to the audition, which is where I met Sebastian. Turns out it was actually his audition, and I was crashing it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So did you get the time wrong, or what happened?
3: Um, the record company had shown up to give him an audition in Paris, and I had heard about it, so I just showed up. Okay. And so they're like, okay, we'll hear you too. That sounds good. Turns out they were looking to take two people to finish the band. Wow. And uh, that was the first I had okay, heard. So okay, so how is.
0: do you look at that that you showed up there? Did you see that as serendipity? How do you see oh, that?
3: Of course, now? Yeah. absolutely. I mean, there's like a whole twenty minute backstory of like how many different serendipitous moments led me to being at that audition. Okay. When I track it back, destiny had a hand in all of that.
0: Wow. When did you meet Simon? And
3: I didn't even know he was involved. Okay. They put me on the Eurostar and brought me over to London and put me in the studio, and Sebastian was there. I was like, hey, <laughs> there you are. And the other two guys who were already in the band were Carlos and Ours. So we started the recording process, and then there were a couple of other finalists who were there as well. And when they decided to go with me, and they said, you know, we need you to come over here, and we need to start working immediately, and we need you to meet Simon. And I was like, oh, who's Simon? I thought you were in charge. And they're like, Simon Cowell. And my eyes just went... <laughs> Oh, uh, what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And they,
3: they said, yeah, this is Simon's pet project. And the other guys, I mean, this was 2003, and the other guys were like, who's Simon Cowell? Wow. Uh-huh. You know, they're from countries where Idol didn't exist yet. Gotcha. Um, and I was like, okay, you guys don't understand. Let me try and break this down for you. This is going to be huge.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> so at that moment, you probably saw where it was going.
3: Well, I certainly saw that it was a much bigger scope than any of the four of us had previously imagined. Okay. All we knew was a record company wanted to use our voices to make something different. And you know, from the operatic perspective, when you make an album, whether it's you know, like Italian art songs or even like a cast recording of an opera, You go into the studio, record it live, but then it's up to them what they do with it. There's no promo tours. There's no getting on TV. None of that. It's just like they put it on the shelf, and that's it. You go back to your life. Uh So that's what I was expecting. and I was like, oh, wow, this is going to be huge. Great. I'm going to make some money, and I'm going to go back to my life. (laughs) Whoops. (laughs) (laughs) So I was actually meant to make my Metropolitan Opera debut that year. So we got into the recording process, and it took about four months to figure it all out. You so know, now, the ability.
0: other guys were from Switzerland, France, and Germany. So you guys all spoke right. different languages and had very different musical backgrounds. So how did that mesh together in the studio?
3: It was a process. Okay. You know, we're four very big personalities, but we're also four dedicated musicians. Okay had to kind of go that route in order to establish respect for each other.
1: Okay. You had to communicate um, through music.
3: We had to communicate through music, exactly. We now, had You were conservatory
1: trained whereas
0: yeah. you, some of the other guys weren't. So was that hard for you with all your training to see them as equals? Was that a difficult well, hurdle for you it. or no, for
3: me, it's always been like, "Is music in your heart, or is it not?" Okay. And if it's in your heart, it's going to translate through your voice. and the the boys all have music in their hearts. Okay. So it really was just about trying to figure out whose voice fit which apartment, as it were. You know, Carlos is a lower voice, so he's not going to take the high notes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sebastian is a pop singer, so he's not going to go for the big notes. Mm -hmm. You know, but we had to figure that all out, kind of one
0: phrase at a time. If you've just joined us, you're listening to David Miller of Il Devo, right here on the Mulberry Lane Show. So now, as you're, you know, working through these creative issues of, you know, who will sing here, and was that a contentious time, or... It was a confusing time. I wouldn't say contentious. Okay. It wasn't an ego thing
3: because our voices are so radically different. At the very beginning, each one of us sang the melody for each song all the way front to back. So we had four versions. Wow. And we didn't know which language it was going to be in. So we did it in three languages. So there were so literally 12 versions of the, that first <laughs> album. The producers then took that all away, kind of chopped it all up, put him there, put him there, put him there, switched in and out of languages. Well, that happens a lot on the first album. That process was great to kind of figure it all out for the first album, but so expensive, so expensive. And thank goodness the record company was willing to, like, spend all that money on development for us.
0: So then how (laughs) instrumental was Simon
1: in that process of selecting 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 the languages, selecting the production style, all of that?
3: Simon was very hands-off. He really was just kind of like the final say. It was like, uh-huh. we'd go in, we'd do a track, he'd bring us into the office, and he'd listen to what the producer had kind of comped together. He'd be like, mm, doesn't catch me. I'm like, uh-huh. Okay, let's try again. And, we're like, mm, and then, would, would he this give? That one catches me, that one doesn't.
1: And when he said it didn't catch him, would he give his opinion on what should be different? Or did he just. Was nope. he, he was just like, try again. Wow.
3: Yep. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that makes
1: it so difficult, kind of, without the direction. It was probably a, a really intriguing project for your producers to put this together. I, I think it was probably really
3: challenging for them as well. Once we hit the Unbreak My Heart, and that was really the first moment where we were like, oh, And that was the first time Simon was like, that gets me. And then we went back and analyzed that and we said, okay, well, what is it about this that gets him? And (laughs) we kind of refined it in terms of a process and applied it to other songs. And when we tried to just like directly apply a formula, it didn't work. Right. But when we applied the arc of the song, kind of the umbrella of the Il Devo sound, we could plug and play each one of us and be like you go there you go there you go there then harmony here ah now that sounds like something alright let's layer some harmonies on top of that and once we did that it was like bingo
0: well you're gonna hear more from David Miller of Il Devo right after this keep it right here with your radio sisters on the Mulberry Lane Show where you get your weekly dose of creative inspiration
2: me a mi lado. Son
1: The Stoke and Goat, funny name, casual atmosphere, and seriously good food. The Goat's a new spring menu is here with summer salads, light seafood, and chicken entrees. Enjoy their fabulous patio, craft cocktails, and weekend brunch. Stoke and Goat, 158th and Maple. Find the harmony here on the
0: Mulberry Lane Show. I'm Beau, welcome back. If you were with us for the last segment, you were hearing from David Miller of the multi-platinum selling world group, Il Devo. In the first segment, you heard all about how David and the guys found Il Devo's signature sound. And in this part, you get to hear more about the background of Il Devo and what they're up to now. Let's get back with David Miller of Il Devo. The worldwide response you got, did that surprise you? And the second thing is, what do you think it is about your music that got that response?
3: I think the response was shocking to everyone. Everyone had high hopes, but no expectations. Okay. Because it was uncharted territory. It was, it was a new genre that we were forging. It didn't work on radio, because it's too classical right. to be on it pop stations. It's too pop to be on classical stations.
1: Yes, which is the case for any kind of mixed genre music.
3: Right. So our venue, as it were, was TV. And every single territory, every record company in every territory made sure to get us on TV. What we found was it's all about repetition. People know what they're comfortable with and people know the songs we were singing. So immediately they were comfortable with what we were singing. They're like, I know this from somewhere. Where do I know this from? And when they make the AHA connection and they go, "Ah, that's that song, because we take it so far out of its home. We make it orchestral. We make it more classical. We put it in a foreign language. It's all of these faux walls. Right, it. so it takes a while but for them in, to
0: recognize the song. It takes
3: them a while, and they have to work for it. They search their memories, and once they have that aha moment, then the hairs on the back of their neck stand up because all of that, like work, trying to figure it out, pays off. (laughs) And they feel like they've accomplished something (laughs) just by listening to
1: us. You know, almost like solving a puzzle or something. Exactly.
3: Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so immediately it landed. It was worldwide because the songs we were singing were globally known as well. But then you got to figure out what to do next. Like, in the middle of having your major success, you can't even enjoy it. You have to be on to what's next. Uh, The second album, uh, Ancora, and the third album, Siempre, that was kind of like the trifecta of, like, boom, here we are. Uh-huh. And then after that, there became a situation of we were burned out a little bit. We'd done two world tours, three albums. We'd been at it for five years at that point, And we were like, whew, I'm totally burned out on this. Then everyone went into over-analysis. Uh-huh. Everyone was trying to pinpoint the one thing that makes Il Devo tick, which brings me to your second question, which is, what is the thing that makes Il Devo tick? And they were trying to figure it out and distill it to that one thing, make it so simple, and no one could figure it out. It was, well, it's because it's this big theatrical orchestral. Uh Okay, so we did an album like that, and the needle didn't move. Is like, okay, well, that's not the one thing. All right, let's try again. Well, it's because they sing such emotional music and they bring people to a place of vulnerability. So they literally went to funeral homes and found the top 10 songs played at funeral homes because everyone gets emotional at funerals. Our album then was literally all funeral songs and more intimate and more emotion and more passion, and the needle didn't move. So... My theory on it, all of it, is that Il Divo is a sum huh. is greater than any of its individual parts. Right. Any one of us on our own, you know, is not going to be able to achieve the sound of the four of us together can right. make.
1: The magic of all of you together, and a lot of times, you know, art can't really be dissected.
3: Right, uh-huh. exactly. It's that there's something in it for everyone. There's pieces from everywhere
1: pieces of each of
0: you and what you each individually represent and bring to the creative table too
3: yeah, so for us to have tried to go down the route of like, what's the one thing that makes Field Divo work? You're just on a fool's errand.
0: Uh-huh. And I think that's a issue with a lot of creatives, because once you hit on something successful, you try to duplicate it, and you try to figure out what made that
1: great, when it almost can't be duplicated. Absolutely. right? Exactly. So your latest album is Timeless, and this is your eighth release to reach number one on the Billboard Classical charts. So you must have gotten back to your sweet spot.
3: We went back to our origin. Um, This was our first album, what we Uh self-produced. Our contract with Sony Music came to its conclusion, and in this day and age of streaming and sharing and X, Y, and Z, it's becoming increasingly difficult for the music industry to actually survive, Mm. to make any money off of albums it's the way of the world and record companies are like dinosaurs at the moment. Mm-hmm. We decided to pony up and make an album and basically just do what we'd been doing. Sure. And we just started with the music. Like One of the words that fans have always said about our music, because of the nature of it, it's not this, it's not that, it's its own universe, it's timeless. We very democratically voted on one song from every decade. We thought, we literally thought, would Simon think this is okay?
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> that was her <your> litmus test. <laughs> would this make the hairs on the back of his neck stand-up? <laughs> and really,
3: ultimately, it was, does this make the hair on the back of my neck stand-up? Exactly. Because that was his barometer. Yeah. So, and you, you know
1: uh, so what I love about this story is that you know, you have four people in the beginning who, you know, didn't even speak the same language and now here you are producing your own music and you're all working together and you are the core parts of the band, you know.
3: Yep. Yep. We had the music in our hearts
0: i love it well this has been a really fascinating chat david it's been great getting to know you when we will have to catch up with you down the road because we love these musical chats fantastic happy to be here anytime this is david miller of the multi-platinum world group il devo make sure you check out all the spring tour dates at dot com. we'll meet you right here on the mulberry lane
1: show right around the corner this is beau here with my sisters rachel and Allie and taking you to break with Il Debo this is their cover of Adele's Hello Hola
2: desde el
1: Taxi's new spring menu is here with new appetizers, sandwiches, and entrees, and a fun selection of cocktails. Enjoy them all on the new patio. Come see what's new this spring at Taxi's 120th and Blondo. Let's dive back in the Mulberry Lane Show. I'm Beau, here with my sisters Rachel and Allie. Well
0: guys, have you ever written an email, press send, and realized you accidentally sent the soccer coach a complaint about a coworker that was meant for your boss, and you just wish there was an unsend button? Well, in celebration of Gmail's 15th birthday, Gmail is unleashing some cool new features like the ability to unsend a message. Now Justin Burr, Google text expert, is going to take you through the fabulous new features right now. Welcome, welcome to the show, Justin Burr.
4: That was incredible, thank you for having me. Wow, that was great.
0: (laughs) Oh great, it's so good to have you on the show because so many of us need a refresher course and be introduced to some of these cool new features. First of all, you gotta tell me if this unsend button is
4: real and how it works. It is real. I've used it. It's great. Everybody has that moment of panic where they accidentally send an email, just like you mentioned in the intro, that wasn't supposed to go to that person or you made some sort of an error. Well, it's going to prompt you to say, hey, you can undo this if you want to. There's a little button you press. It goes right back into your outbox. It's like it never happened. And it insulates you from any type of mistake you might have made. So that is awesome.
0: You know how relieving that is to many of us. (laughs) We've all been there. Oh, yeah. Okay, so now this smart compose. Talk a little bit about that feature.
4: You're writing an email, you type how, and it will finish your sentence for you. How are you doing? Or I just wanted to follow up on this email. Whatever it may be that you're trying to write, it's going to essentially predict the phrasing that you're trying to use, and we're adding a couple layers to that as well. So adding some personalization to that, so say you like to use certain slang or different types of Uh, So it kind of picks up
0: what you would normally do. It's basically smart technology.
4: It totally is. We're saving users from typing 1 billion characters every single week with Smart Compose. Wow. So it's great. And not only in the body of the email, but we're also introducing the subject line. So it's going to look at what you just typed in the email, probably with Smart Compose, and then it's going to suggest a subject line for you as well, which I love because I hate writing subject oh, lines. Oh,
0: that's great. Okay, so what are some other features that are particularly cool?
4: Yeah, so there's a nudging feature, which is great. And this one's good for me because sometimes I forget to respond to emails. And essentially what this does is you read an email, you don't respond. In a couple of days, it's going to resurface that email and say, hey, you got this email three days ago, it's time to respond. And on the other side of the okay. coin, if you send an email to somebody and it doesn't get addressed in a few days, it's gonna then prompt you to follow up okay. with that person. Awesome. Scheduled send is great, same with snooze. These are just kind of time-saving features. So I'll start with scheduled send. So. That is a feature in which you write an email. You're writing it on a Saturday morning. You don't really want to bother the person on a weekend, but you do want to remember to send it. Sure. Schedule it for Monday morning 8 a.m. So it looks like you're really hitting the ground running on the work week, which is great. And you don't <laughs> want to bother your boss, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Impress them. And then there's also a snooze button as well, which is great. You get in on a Monday morning, got a lot of emails to address. Some of them are non-urgent, and so you can read it. You can snooze it for a couple hours, and then it brings it to the top of your inbox when you are ready to address it.
1: Okay. Great. Well, right now you're listening to the Mulberry Lane Show and you're hearing from Google text expert, Justin Burr. He's giving you tips on being more efficient with your email. It's all about celebrating Gmail's 15th birthday.
0: So now let's just go through some
1: etiquette reminders on email. You know, what's polite, and not.
4: Right. I've got a couple tips here that I try to keep in mind. Make sorting, reading, and answering email all separate activities. You lose focus when you switch between. So, sort the emails, read the emails, and then when you're answering, just answer. Don't read, don't sort, just answer. 24 hours is generally the rule of thumb for how long you have to respond to an email. And you don't have to be totally robust with your response. You can just respond, hey, I got your email. I saw it. I'm going to address it at a later time just to let that person know that you're not just completely ignoring them. And then lastly, Close out your email completely one to two times a day. Focus on the tasks at hand okay. without any distractions.
0: Okay, another good tip. So now you have to talk about yourself. Exactly what is your job and what do you do and how did you get here?
4: So I'm a Google technology expert. So I live in New York. I work at our Chelsea office out here. Okay. And essentially I'm understanding the ways that our users are interacting with the technology and giving tips, talking about new product announcements. It's also looking at Google search trends around different moments in time looking at Google Maps data to figure out when you should leave to go to Thanksgiving over in November, (laughs) all the search trends that you were searching for throughout the entire year, fun stuff like that. We were just looking at March Madness top search players last week, so yeah, it's fun.
0: Okay, so now you have to address this because it sounds like you deal with a lot of data, a lot of trends, but yet, You're able to jump on the phone and be fun and talk and chat. So what is it about your personality that lets you switch from being the geek to the totally outgoing (laughs) self?
4: First off, thank you. That's a great compliment. You know, I don't know. I actually used to work in radio myself back in the day, Ah. so I think that that kind of helped a little bit. I was the voice of the Lane Community College Titans back in Eugene, Oregon. So yeah, that came in
0: handy. Now we know. We (laughs) want to thank
1: you so much for joining the show. And Justin, it's been great hanging out. Thank you so much. Well, you just heard from Justin Berg, Google text expert, here to celebrate Gmail's 15th birthday by giving you tips and tricks on using your email and, more specifically, your Gmail.
2: You don't have to try, 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 I, I.
1: You don't have to try, 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 I, I. You don't have to try, try, try. I, I okay girls one of our favorite parts of the show now now it's time for show notes where we take the best advice from each guest and share it with you yes this is your radio sister's take on some of our favorite moments of the show Well first you heard from Taylor Hicks, Season 5 American Idol winner, and his advice came from ice skater Scott Hamilton. Now Taylor was feeling a little nervous and out of place at a celebrity golf tournament, and Scott Hamilton turned to Taylor and said, If God didn't want you to be here, then you probably wouldn't be here.
0: A great mentality to take in your life, especially if you're embarking on a new project or trying something out of your comfort zone. A reminder that wherever you are, you're exactly where you should be. Solid advice from Taylor via Scott Hamilton and thanks Taylor for sharing your heart today okay sisters what's the next piece of advice well then it's David Miller from the multi-platinum selling world sensation Il Devo now you heard about how the four guys in Il Devo each came from different parts of the world different musical backgrounds and different languages they all came together and what David said is each of them had music in their heart and that's the common thread that keeps them pushing for more
1: So the question is, is what you're doing in your heart? Think about that. And David, thanks for showing us what passion looks like. Mm -hmm. And finally, you heard from Google text expert from Gmail, Justin Burr. The best tip from Justin? You can now unsend that Gmail
0: email. Woo! So next time you have that oops moment, there's a toggle that actually allows you to unsend that email. Hooray! (laughs) Finally, right? So thanks, Justin, for bringing the technical know-how to the sisters in the airwaves today. Woo! And before we close up another episode, we want to thank you for being Being you and for being here. We love
1: reaching through the radio airwaves and making this place just a little more like family. Mm -hmm. And be sure to connect with us throughout the week by visiting us on our social pages on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Mulberry Lane. And make sure you join us same time same place next weekend. Your radio sisters will be right here waiting for you. Bo, stay happy and stay blessed. Allie, don't forget to be awesome. Rachel, that's a wrap. You know I'm okay with just being okay and floating down the river of life. I'm alright being alright, don't need something wonderful tonight. Living life this way, a new face for me. Just riding the tide with the moon. Things change. Just like how you went away